Robotic Process Automation, or RPA, refers to software robots constructed to automate some business process. Perhaps the most ubiquitous example is adding filters to your email inbox. I've worked with a lot of salespeople that use tools to configure complex email follow-up campaigns when inbound emails come in. But even that is a fairly basic example compared to what's becoming possible. UiPath is an automation platform. They offer a suite of solutions that empower developers and non-developers to construct effective software robots that can measurably improve business efficiency. In this interview, I speak with Boris Crumray, Global VP of Automation and Innovations at UiPath. We overview the platform and discuss the current and future state of RPA. Boris, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Well, great to have me here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to kick things off, can you tell listeners what your role is at UiPath? So I look after automation innovations and I run the, we call the UiPath Immersion Labs. The UiPath Immersion Labs was a kind of an invention actually from, from my end because I felt that automation is something abstract and doesn't really kind of make it easy for people to understand what it means and how it changes your daily operations and how to apply it and so forth. So we basically created showcases that bring that in the whole context of business processes or generally processes and turn it into a real experience. So we even have a hands-on lab so people could log in and on a virtual desktop basically experience automation and what it means and so forth. So that's in the moment what I'm doing. When I joined UiPath, I was actually a, a customer before, and we have run large automation programs. And through this kind of topic around automation and robotics, I discovered UiPath, and it was one of the first softwares that was very easy to use and very powerful because it was very accurate in the you know, kind of using user interface automation. So that's where I started. I came from the consulting and outsourcing space from Accenture, Infosys, and Atos for many years. But originally, I'm I'm a computer scientist, so I kind of programmed in my past. And anything that is kind of, you know, turning a business problems into a software in a very easy way has always fascinated me. It seems to me that every listener has to be thinking of at least one time in their life when they had to do some very manual, tedious thing on a computer. And that could have been a good use case for this. Uh, maybe they messed around with Excel macros, or I had a browser plugin for a while that did some fancy things. How does one engage with UiPath? Where does it kind of stick itself into the, the ways I might want to automate things? That's a very good question, and that's kind of the key point where it all starts. So imagine if you want to onboard a new employee in your business or in your company, there are so many things that needs to happen, right? A new candidate would fill out a whole form with all its details. You set up the payroll system, you create a badge, you create a, you order a laptop, you order a mobile phone, and the new manager has to approve this. and So, so there are so many steps. And there's so many different systems involved. And imagine now with one workflow, you can basically tether this all together and turn it into an application. So one application, one UI where you enter all the data, and it will then do the entire workflow, sending the email, getting the approval, understanding natural language, even extracting if necessary, if there's some particular forms that are necessary, I don't know, for 
tax reasons or whatever, you know, extracting forms or data from forms as well. So doing kind of like an OCR and putting that data into the backend system, wherever HR system it, it may be, then going into whatever the internal IT purchasing system is to order a laptop and so forth. There's so many different interfaces from APIs to UI interfaces and so forth. And UiPath can combine this all and combine it all in a very easy way that you just record yourself doing that action. And there you go. There's then your, your code that you can then, as a, like a workflow format that you can just edit and adjust and work with. So even for the seemingly simple task of onboarding a new employee, I think I counted five or six independent systems in your description. I can't imagine many, if any of them, have nice restful APIs and that sort of thing. Does UiPath have to go out and engage with all those systems, or am I bound by a fixed list of a catalog of things? What's the opportunity for people who want to build stuff? This is the great thing about UiPath as a toolkit, is you can build an API on anything. So just on the user interface, for example. So if it's a mainframe application that doesn't even have a an API at all, I can just, you know, record myself extracting the particular information from the screen and then take that information and provide it to an API where I have maybe a ready-made RESTful API that I can use. So that makes it really, really flexible of connecting to anything. Plus, we also extended our platform with a whole API management capability we acquired a company called Cloud Elements, and that was exactly what you know they provided. Like similar to you know probably people know Zapier or so forth, you just have a ready-made API. You just drag and drop it into your workflow, and then there you go. You can kind of right away connect to it. You can connect to all the objects. You can even define triggers and say, okay, if this SAP system table here is being updated. Then I want you to update another table in, in another system and you can just connect those systems in this way. Or if there's not an API at all and it's some kind of a mainframe or whatever and you have to go to, to a total different user interface, then you can combine here API with UI automation in a very in any kind of form of workflow. So I'm wondering if we can stick with that mainframe use case. I'm picturing some system, probably a legacy system. The software is all written custom by someone who hasn't been at the company for 15 years. It's in a language nobody knows. We don't want to touch it. Do I install a, a client on the mainframe that then controls, or what's the actual like technical integration point? Oh, yeah, you don't need a client at all. It's, it's just like, see, you may not have the people who have programmed it to operate, but you still would have people who know how to enter data and get data out of the system, right? Yeah, for sure. They rely on it usually. Yeah, and so all you need to do is actually you're, you're not even talking to the any kind of technical person. You're talking to the to the user <laughs> saying, okay, how do you get this certain information out of this legacy system? Oh, I type in this, I type in that, and so forth. So they would just perform this activity. And whilst they're performing it, we are generating the automated workflow. And then we see it as in the WMF format and can just then you know, modify it, adjust it, make it flexible, put parameters, variables, and whatever around it as we want, and then turn it basically into a full application. 
And that application then, does that run on that data entry person's machine or how does that go? Yeah, you could either have it on the data entry machine as what we call attended automation. So the robot would be, you know, working right side by side with me. Or you can have a separate VM virtual machine with a robot configured and its own separate user ID. And it would just perform this in that environment. So that's what we then call unattended. So there's certain tasks that just seem like obvious wins with a tool like this, where you know maybe I go to a website, I get some data, I need to enter it yeah. in some form somewhere. A lot of heavy work to do. I don't want to undersell what the software accomplishment is, but I believe that's implementable. Then you get yeah. to cases where there are more and more human judgment calls. Maybe a text paragraph has to be read and interpreted. How far can you get with natural language processing and computer vision and things like that? So we have embedded in our platform computer vision. We have a whole AI engine, which means you can take any machine learning model that you've written in Python code, for example. As long as it's serialized, you can just upload it into our engine and then you can execute it within the workflow. And that's immensely powerful. So you could use it for fraud detection. You could use it for any kind of prediction you want. And we have a whole set of ready-made solutions that you can also use for whether it's particular models for like predictions of I don't know, defaulting loans or, you know, for example, we implemented solutions in our lab for customers where we did a prototype of for the cash collection process. So basically able to predict how many customers and which customers will, you know, probably not pay in time <laughs> their bills and so forth. And so that mechanism then helps to you know, trigger certain actions to uh, remind people and so forth. And so it can help to control your cash flow of a company. That's one. But we have also ready-made models for document understanding. So any kind of forms, receipts, invoices, you can just send to our robots these invoices and we would be able to extract the information. And we have them this whole mechanism with the, what we call human in the loop. So whatever the system is able to recognize, if there's anything that, you know, the system is not very confident to have recognized, it just then puts it into the queue of the human to revise it. And when they basically revise it or make any kind of correction, we would then track that information and then retrain the model automatically. So our engine also does auto ML on so automatic machine learning, basically. So that's all part of our platform. Do you see any rules of thumb for, you know, I'm thinking of any organization of a sufficient size, they've got to have some, if they're not already doing RPA, there's got to be a good opportunity for them to find improvements. Do you have any rule of thumb for how big a company is before they need to explore and where to find the low-hanging fruit? If you think of a small business or a big business, they all have to do certain same key functions. Yes, to a different scale, but still, automation, there's always swivel chair type of activities everywhere, whether I have to you know, process thousands of invoices or whether I have to process in a very small company hundreds of invoices every month. It's still a lot of work. And if I can automate it and you know, save that time, it is as impactful for small businesses as for large businesses. Is RPA purely a cost-saving effort or are there side benefits as well? Well, that's an interesting one because I think in the very early beginning when people first looked at RPA, they were all you know, triggered by the 
vision of oh this must be cost saving activity great and I can you know save n many FTEs and whatsoever but it turns out it's not so much kind of just cost saving it's just increasing productivity so it's really helping to kind of that you can actually do more it gives you more capacity to do work that humans should be doing and not the work that robots should be doing, whether it's, you know, taking data from your emails into some backend system or whatever you may be, may, may be doing. And that's that's kind of the, the key proof point that productivity, capacity increase, that you reduce the amount of errors that we would be doing as humans, as we are humans. We're <laughs> now we would forget some data or mistype something and then correcting that would take even more time. And all those things you can really eliminate. Do I need a background in software engineering in order to utilize UiPath? I think it would be ideal if you implement large projects because UiPath is now gone to the capability of being a fully, you know, kind of application development platform. So you can combine all these automation flows into a real application that you can just trigger with an with just an URL, and then there you go. You have a user interface on top of all these automations. So when you do larger projects, then yeah, it makes a lot of sense to have that. But we are also very much targeting the non-technical user, the users who are operating a process, an accountant or kind of sales operator, a customer service agent and so forth. And if they have the ability to kind of just, um, I can say, you know, play around with uh, some kind of creating some process or so forth, or they have a bit of a of an affinity for being interested in building something logically, then they are very much able to create a whole automation themselves. And we have a special product for that. We call it Studio X. So it makes it really easy, but it's also designed for the purpose what a typical user would need. A typical user needs to put or extract data from place A to and put that into the system B and then extract maybe another data from system C and combine that, do something with this data, and then you know put that into a system D or something like that. So ideally for all those things, so anything you do around Microsoft productivity tools or Google productivity tools, you can then basically combine and turn into a fully-fledged automation. Well, the bigger the automation gets, the nervous I become that something could go wrong under the hood. Uh, You know, like onboarding a new employee. What if the laptop that we typically order is out of stock? I don't want to just set it and forget it. Can you talk a little bit through exception handling and how someone can monitor and and resolve issues when they arise? That's a very good point. So first of all, as part of our platform, we also offer process mining. So a tool that links into all these systems and gives you a log of what people are doing. What that helps with is kind of visualizing an entire flow, shows you how many deviations of this end-to-end process do really exist. So with that, you could identify whether the process is highly standardized or not. And if it's not, then you know that your automation journey is going to take much longer, right? That's the the first thing. So tools that help you to discover and also to assess how you're doing certain things. Secondly, 
to kind of pick up exceptions. So the robot is kind of connected to a management console. That management console is called the orchestrator. In there, you can see any kind of errors and so forth. And you have a very good interface that would alert you if anything kind of goes wrong. So if you come across this exception, then you know you could pick that up fairly quickly. Now, in order to keep, how can I say, the you know to, to make the maintenance challenge that you would have as you're turning manual processes and software into software, to keep that very low, we actually also entered into the test automation space. So you can use UiPath to test any kind and automate the tests or any kind of application web applications, mobile applications, whatever your software development target is. But you can also do it for RPA. And in this sense, we are applying the best method that you could do in continuous integration and ensuring that the same skill that you have for automating processes, you can also use the same skill in applying test automation to it. So you're kind of reducing the the amount of maintenance challenge that you would have with the software you're creating, with the RPA software you're creating. So that's another, you know, very important aspect. And that's one reason why we also went into test automation. Now, typically when you're deploying automations, the way I would always suggest to operate is say it's a business process. So that business owner that knows the process in and out, you're basically creating that automation, you're giving it to that business owner, the business person or subject matter expert can then trigger this process and can really make sure that all the business logic are 100%. And, you know, because it's attended, it can really kind of follow what the process is doing or whether there's any kind of issue around it. Before then, you put it maybe into the larger production environment and even decide maybe to put it as an unattended robot workflow into the back end, right, into a virtual machine. So there's also a method around how you deploy automation in a most kind of controlled and effectful way. And probably when I explain that, you can already sense that, you know, software engineering, all the best practices of continuous integration, if you do automation at scale, do apply here as well. Could you compare and contrast that further? What are some of the distinctions between the sort of standard vanilla software release lifecycle we're familiar with and the release lifecycle of an automation application? I think if you look in many areas, how companies and advisors or or consulting companies looking into RPA deployments, they all you know, look at it like software development for, for web environments, so very agile, so in sprints and so forth. And that works, that's fine. But I think that the approach should rather be combined with something that we used to do in the outsourcing space, where we actually look at the full scope of the activities that you know people are doing that you're basically doing a knowledge transfer about. And that means that you're actually looking at an entire stack of activities you're going to automate. So your knowledge transfer approach is a bit different, meaning you are first, when you create the or document the process, which you can do here pretty effectively because we have a tool called Task Capture. And so even if I'm not a programmer, I can just 
perform the process. And besides of just creating the skeleton code, it also generates the entire process definition document in Word, in the template I want. And so I already got a piece of documentation that then can be taken to the developer, RPA developer, who then can read the process immediately with all the screenshots and so forth. And based on that, you're basically creating then the automation. And of course, you're receiving also the skeleton code of that recording. So that fast tracks this implementation for our customers significantly, about up to 60%. So when you take this, and this is where I'm coming close to, to the outsourcing analogy, because when you do knowledge transfer, you do the same thing. You capture basically a process. And when you capture that process and you have it documented, you then start basically taking that as your theory to learn. And in the same sense, you're now taking that document as a theory of the process and then turning it into software. You're then basically giving that software to the person that actually be be using or has done it before. And with that kind of phase that you use also with the knowledge transfer and outsourcing is kind of yeah, there you're probing already how you know reliable is this whole process and works in the business context before you actually then you know scale up the transaction of exactly that automation. So it's a bit of a different approach, but it's a very effective approach if you want to run a very large transformation or turn a lot of manual processes into software. And that's kind of a bit new and different than a traditional software development approach where you either follow kind of an agile principle or waterfall principle or whatever you want to kind of follow here. So that's what I'm seeing when you're kind of looking at a large-scale implementation. From what I've learned about UiPath, it seems to me a professional could pick this up, teach it to themselves, and start using it inside their organization. They don't necessarily need your help. But maybe at the other extreme, you offer full service or some sort of hybrid model. What is a typical engagement like? It was interesting. It started that people who are not technical people, just in the business itself, downloaded the software and started learning it. And they pretty quickly were able to create their first automations. And then they showed it their management and said, wow, this is easy. This is great. And and so this is kind of the beauty of it. And it's also one of the reasons why it kind of grew so fast, that you could pick that up relatively quickly. And I would say for technical people, it's even you know much quicker to pick up, but to do much bigger and complex processes, almost like a you know, the low code of the future of turning business processes into very quickly into software. And that's where it's very strong about. When I think about some of the historical wins from RPA, it's event-driven, reactive kinds of things. Like, you know, an email comes into the recruiting inbox, we pull the resume out, put it in the recruiting portal, these kinds of steps that, yes, it's good to automate them, but there isn't a whole lot of decision-making going on. Although I feel like that's one of the major features UiPath has been introducing, that these can be more intelligent systems. Can you talk a little bit about that transition from these rote RPA processes to more AI-driven decision-theoretic systems? Yeah, sure. Because for us, you know, automation is intelligent. There's, there's no, we don't even differentiate, differentiate anymore in saying, speaking about intelligent automation and just automation, because it's such an integral fabric and such an integral part to be able to apply 
decision models into the entire workflow. So for us, it's an it's an integral part. So, and the nice thing is when you think about from a development perspective, the guys who are developing machine learning models a bit of a different type of people <laughs> than the ones who are programming kind of programs and RPA. <laughs> and I think it, when I spoke to some of our technology partners who were kind of very early on in the AI space, they said, oh, yeah, my data science guys always, you know, look down a bit upon the programmers and the programmers, you know, look down upon the <laughs> data scientist guys. And it's somehow it's just like it's two different teams. But the nice thing about our platform is, the data scientists, they can really kind of evolve and create their models and upload those and build any kind of custom and custom built model for the particular purpose and train it and have AutoML and everything integrated. And then on the other side, the RPA developers, they can just use that decision model as a like a black box, input, output, and just kind of combine that with any workflow and combine it with also with the entire human supervision and the kind of AutoML functionality. So in that regard, it's it's pretty neat. What we see in business very much is when it comes to AI and machine learning, most of the next level uptake from basic automations or rule-based automations is actually all around extracting information from documents and doing that in a very reliable way. So basically all the cognitive part where information is provided for other humans or meant for other humans to process. And I think that part we have fully integrated. So we can process voice, we can have full natural language conversations, link it to our robot automations. So all that is very easily possible and integratable with with our platform. So what's the current state of the virtual assistance involvement in the process? Yeah, the virtual assistants, you basically hook that to our system. So for the actual fulfillment of the transaction, say you want to kind of change your address, you want to find out what the tracking of your package is you shipped, you want to kind of any kind of the, the conversational part is basically handled by the conversational engines and the fulfillment, request fulfillment part is done then through RPA. But RPA also helps to create new conversational knowledge uh, or even trees or semantical changes into the conversational AI systems. And that's also something that's not just fulfilling, but it's also helping to add and program and make these systems smarter. So we can provide both ways. And we have integrated many of the big existing ones from Google, from Microsoft, from AWS, and so forth. And there's also many other providers that you know, offer these this full capability and with the integration of speech to text so that you can have almost a natural conversation in any kind of language, by the way, with the robot. And it's because it's so smoothly integrated. Well, if we take that to its logical extreme, it's kind of like interacting with the computer on Star Trek The Next Generation, where you ask it to do anything and it's sort of the operating system. Do you see that as an ultimate direction that UiPath will take things? It's a direction that's not just happening through UiPath, but you know, generally there's there's a tendency that it will go this way. And yeah, we can already realize it today. It's quite astonishing that nowadays where we have all these technologies, we still have big call centers where you're you know calling and you're waiting in a 
in a line for, I don't know, half an hour hour just to get someone to talk to. So much could be already automated today, just with what we have today. And UiPath definitely could enable that, you know, fairly quickly within a, in a reasonable time to configure. So I can see a lot of large enterprise. We've talked about medium, small business opportunities. Is there an angle for the indie developer to be leveraging UiPath? Actually, I think for developers now an ideal time. Say, if I'm a developer and I'm always interested to work very close to the business needs or a business process or and I want to solve a business problem, the good thing about the RPA and about UiPath is that you can turn that around much faster than before. And you can work very closely with the subject matter expert from the business than before. Because now you have tools where the subject matter expert can just create a simple recording, generates an entire document, generates you know the skeleton code, whatever it needs to be done. And immediately you can turn that into a practical application that then this same person, subject matter expert, can then test and you know verify and use right away. I mean one of the beauties that that RPA was was giving is that it really made it much quicker of implementing you know a complex process in kind of bit by bit immediately and giving that back to the users where immediately saw the the benefit. And as you kind of you know went ahead, you could solve entire complex processes but because we have automated bits of this entire big process you have basically immediately turned around and improved an existing process and made it digital where it wasn't before so if when you consider the current need in the moment to put everything into digital to turn business processes into a digital operation to create new customer experiences and so forth, then it's really essential to have a tool that helps you to do that very quickly. It's like you have a a new tool that just, you know, with your programmer skills, just gets gets you much faster in turning a manual business process into, into software. And I think it's actually like a, a special tool that you know many programmers, if they would pick that up, they will immediately you know get the attention of companies. And you, we have always seen that people who have uh, you know automation or RPA skills, they immediately you know get picked or predominantly for for any kind of job interviews and so forth, because that's a real need in the business today. Today. You could say a CIO has to become a proxy COO, and that's that comes from Gardner. So that just shows that if we are staying just tech people, and we are just staying in our tech world, we're not moving along with the current demand. The current demand is that everything needs to be more digitized. We work from home. Uh, we you know operate online and so forth. Uh, everything we want to be doing through online services and so forth. In order to comply to that, we need better tools to digitize. And UiPath is exactly that tool that allows that. And for a programmer, it's like, wow, that's the new kind of case tool of the <laughs> of software development to turn those business processes into a digital operation and connect with all other systems because there's so much that we offer around this whole software stack. So in that regard, yeah, it's it's a whole kind of new powerful business development platform for digital transformations. 
Are there any interesting use cases you're able to talk through from customers? There are quite a number of, of them. So, well, I gave you the examples for, you know, kind of HR onboarding, but just think about the recruiting process, how you could optimize the recruiting process and combining it also with machine learning. So it would be able to scan millions of candidates with opportunities. And so in this sense, recruiting companies could far quicker find those fitting opportunities and find the right matches. And the other thing is they can then, and this is where the effect, what I mean with productivity increase comes in. If you think about a recruiter would have to update so many different recruiting websites, not that the own system, but also all the other systems that people would be using, looking and in social media and so forth, syncing up that data with all these other systems you need a robot for doing that, right? So that's where where we have use cases where people, customers are, that are specialized in this business are using it, are using AI for the scanning of resumes, finding best fit and so forth. And you could even go further because you could make it for the individual recruiter that with this automation running from its own social network, kind of, you know, tracking its own social network of candidates against the positions and so forth, that's, you know, immensely powerful. So that's an example you could apply to. But there's many examples when it comes to supply chain, when it comes to call center operations. So basically creating a robotic call center agent that I can talk to when I do all these standard transactions, maybe wanting to change an address or track a delivery, or I want to kind of have a guided path of, you know, submitting a claim and all those kind of insurances, all those kind of activities you can, our customers basically can take and automate. Well, we've covered a little bit about how you've leveraged natural language processing and computer vision in certain cases. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on the most impactful technologies or methods that have come out of the ML space that you've been able to leverage or maybe research you're closely following that you're excited may be leverageable in the near future. Well, I think in the near future, so the things that are really exciting is kind of when you, when you look at from the narrow AI automation space that we are in now that we can apply in, in many ways going more into the semantic and automation space where we combine a particular kind of semantic knowledge of having a particular ontology or so forth and then using that as a basis, as a reference model to extract and understand the world. So to give you an example, think about you have an SAP system. SAP is pretty pretty straightforward because it has dedicated transactions for any kind of business process and it's uh, very well documented. So in that case, you would know when you're in a particular transaction SAP, what are the data fields and so forth. Now imagine you would have fed all this information into a knowledge tree that is able to know if you put if you want to do a purchase order or set up a purchase order request the robot would already know what kind of data you need to feed into the SAP system and would already retrieve and know where to take certain data already from some other maybe master data system and combines it and then just ask you the data points that are still needed that it can't, can't retrieve from anywhere else 
and does everything else itself because it understands what it needs to be doing. It's almost like we do with conversational AI where you understand the intent, but understanding and translating the intent already to the underlying application, that's kind of where it becomes very powerful. And that's where we see semantic automation. And that also goes to the next level, which is generative AI. I call it generative because that's where you start doing something that you're basically creating. So the, the examples where, you, you know, alpha go, where basically you find new ways to compete in, in a game of go, or you go into the area of alpha fold where they you know predict how certain proteins will kind of fold and so forth which then is impactful to tell you whether certain pharmaca will actually be you know how they will react and so forth so you don't even need to experiment anymore you can really use ai and that's that's the part where i say it's generative ai or producing narrative content GPT-3 goes a little bit into that area and so forth. So I'm, I'm seeing that is kind of a semantic AI or semantic automation is going into that direction because that's kind of the, the precursor for the generative part. And that's something we are very, very interested in, particularly in the, in the semantic automation part as we see that as, as a realistic uh, next step. And then further along, when I say generative AI, further along, yes, there will be at some stage maybe robots that, you know, do self-automations <laughs> like or things that kind of self-program to a certain degree. But again, we need to be careful to what extent do we allow an autonomy <laughs> of these things. And there's always a human in the loop to, you know, kind of validate and control. But it could help for, you know, solving very big, complex problems and turning them into software. But semantic automation is basically our big focus in the future. And it more relates to the example that I was giving. Well, it's going to be exciting to follow. Boris, for listeners who want to plunge right in, where's the best place to see if they can get their hands dirty with UiPath? We have a free version on the automation cloud. You can kind of sign up and then, you know, join the, this automation cloud as community edition has all the full functionality. All our trainings are, are free. So you can sign up for the uh, UiPath Academy and get started right away. I mean, there's um, <laughs> it, that, that's the nice thing about it. You know, from whatever background, if you like, you know, tinkering around with those kind of solutions and you're kind of have an affination for, for technology and, you know, trying out things and so forth, this is your time. Right? You can really just make use of it. It's all there. And yeah, even for small businesses, they could start. So that's a very easy way to get started. Well, very exciting time indeed. Boris, thank you so much for coming on Software Engineering Daily. Thank you for having me. For more on UiPath, join their community at community.uipath.com. Imagine a global community with more than 1.5 million users worldwide to connect with and learn about the latest technologies in robotic process automation. It's a vibrant ecosystem of professionals and citizen developers learning, supporting, and succeeding together in their automation careers. They gather to keep up to date in a unified global community. That's at community.uipath.com.